Hello friend, I am Maria, and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, higher realms, the mysteries of the universe, and source consciousness. I use hypnosis to get into a deep theta state where I am able to connect to and embody my higher self. This particular episode is from a series we call Conversations with a Collective. In this series, I'm accessing the depth and the breadth of the collective human consciousness on planet Earth. What unfolds is a monologue that is dictated by the questions and comments that I receive back from the collective. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to another episode of Conversations with a Collective. Just a quick refresher, this is a new series within a um, podcast that we're doing. And this is essentially me connecting to the collective consciousness of planet Earth. All of your deepest thoughts, wishes, dreams, desires. Essentially, I'm able to be fully aware of the state of humanity today at a deeper level. And what I find quite interesting and fascinating is the ability for us to communicate uh, from this space. Um, This format enables me to shed the light on some of the things that you don't know that you don't know, clarify some of the things that you think that you know, but potentially there are some gaps. And then obviously read the general state of humanity, read the energy, feel the room, so to say, and be able to provide guidance for where you are in this point in time. So for this episode, um, I really wanted to talk about archetypes. So why don't we talk about archetypes, what they are, how come they exist on this planet, you know, what is the big deal about archetypes, how you may have been using archetypes in your life unbeknownst to yourself. And I will also do a scan around some of the main archetypes alive and well on planet Earth today. And then we, if you wish, uh, we can also go into you know, how do you find out what your archetypes are, you know, um, you know, the different aspects of yourself that have been running your life so we can take a deeper dive. As always, um, I encourage the collective to be interactive with me. Don't be afraid to ask questions if something that I'm saying is not clear, as well as provide comments and feedback on what I'm saying. Now, obviously, as a listener of this podcast, you're not going to be able to hear um, the inner workings of the collective and that is completely fine because i will be making comments as we go along so it's easier for you guys to follow that way we are all on the same page all right so why don't we take a deep dive into archetypes so an archetype is essentially a template or a blueprint for a particular kind of persona that generally goes along with a particular set of behaviors and vibrations that persona gives off The reason archetypes exist is to simplify the process of planning an incarnation. Now, planning an incarnation is not a walk in the park. It is actually a fairly robust process. It is part science, part art. It is fun for souls. But because at any point in time, you may be planning up to 17 different incarnations, um, if not more, depending on your level of the soul, it can get to be a little bit challenging. Uh, 
to try to write every single aspect of your being from scratch. And that is why this concept of an archetype or archetypical blueprint was created, again, by the architects of the matrix. So the archetypes exist as shortcuts. And on some level, you should think about archetypes as outfits. So in the same way that you go into your closet and you have different looks and outfits for different seasons or you know different moods, different temperatures, etc., so does your higher self. So essentially, when you incarnate on a particular planet, this planet would come with a set of archetypes that have been birthed on the planet and then a set of archetypes that are trending on this planet. So for planet Earth, the number of archetypes is limited. Um, there are about 120 main archetypes you could be playing into. And then there's about 500 subordinate archetypes as well that you can experience. And that is essentially it on planet Earth today. So it is a fairly finite number of blueprints. Now, each archetype obviously comes with a set of energies, a set of attitudes, a set of thoughts and feelings attached to that archetype. So when selecting a particular outfit or a particular archetype, you essentially are signing up for a specific set of challenges or a specific direction that your life might take based on that archetype. So one curious thing about archetypes is that they're not static over time. So some archetypes essentially die out and new ones come to take their place. So this is kind of um, a song and dance, a perpetual song and dance that is fairly fascinating to watch. An archetype tends to be birthed when there is a collective request for some sort of change. So nothing is really random in the universe. The creation of the archetypes is not random either. So it is a fairly fascinating process that starts with the collective requesting a new set of armor or a new outfit per se. And then that would eventually become manifested. How does an archetype become manifested post the collective deciding that they need a new archetype? It's actually fairly simple. So there is a soul, generally there's just one, that takes on a challenge to birth that archetype within a particular uh, planet. So that soul knows, ex going in, you know, into an incarnation, that soul knows exactly what their archetype looks like, what it should feel like, and exactly what they should, you know, it should represent. So they would descend into this time-space reality knowing what the expectation is. And essentially they would live a blueprint. So the way you anchor an archetype is by essentially walking a, a set of steps from A to Z that would make up the fullness of that archetype, having the experiences that this archetype is meant to be having. And by the virtue of going through this experience, you would anchor an archetype on the surface of the planet. Now, anchoring an archetype is an energy intensive process. It is not something that is easy to do. Very often, a new archetype would not be birthed by a younger soul. Generally, it is a more mature soul and it is a fairly sophisticated challenge because it is a lot harder to bring in a new frequency as opposed to living in the existing frequency in any world. So it's your revolutionary, it takes like a real revolutionary, it takes, you know, like a rule breaker, mover and shaker to come in and say, hey, like, I'm ready to set up this new archetype, this is what it's going to look like, 
Um, here we go. Then once the, a certain archetype has been anchored on a particular planet, the rest of the souls that are beginning to incarnate post that archetype's anchoring may choose that as one of the outfits, right? It's kind of like, whoops, you know, I don't know, like the little black dress has been birthed. Now anybody can wear the little black dress. I also said that there are certain, like, you know, the archetypes or the, the full wardrobe, the full scope, the full spectrum of archetypes is essentially a living and breathing organism. So as time goes by, certain archetypes become outlived. So there is something within the collective that wanted to experience a particular facet of reality. And then when it has been experienced enough times, then that archetype essentially goes to die. And it is replaced by more archetypes that, or sometimes, you know, certain archetypes get reimagined or re-envisioned or remodeled, refurbished, recycled for the new age, for the new energies. That also happens quite often. Examples of archetypes that used to be very prevalent and now are essentially a dying archetype could be a slave and slave owner, for instance, and not something that you necessarily see all that often. Or royalty is, is a dying archetype on this planet. Um, piracy, although, well, actually, piracy is a good example of something that has really changed. Like the concept of piracy has changed, right? And has been adopted for the new age. So in the same way that, you know, pirates used to browse the Caribbean Sea in search of treasure. Now you have cyber piracy, which is essentially just the, the same archetype being reimagined. But uh, this is just like a quick example for you of how archetypes evolve over time. Now, when you incarnate, you select five main archetypes and another 10 that are secondary. That just t tends to be the general rule. There are exceptions to every rule. Your higher self might choose differently. But as a template for planet Earth specifically, there are five main ones and 10 supporting ones. If there is a conflict internally, say you're going through an experience in an incarnation, in an incarnate state, and two of your archetypes clash, which is really, really possible, if it is a secondary archetype and a primary archetype that clash, the primary archetype always wins. If it's the two primary archetypes that clash, that could create everything from a multiple personality disorder to a massive split of consciousness where you would need to essentially do parts work in order to heal that. Um, but very often when archetypes are being created, uh, not created, uh, selected by your higher self, it is done very intentionally and very often a, a sort of coherent picture is being created by your higher self because obviously the higher self wants to serve you, serve your evolution, not be in the way. So if you're curious, uh, let's, let's actually look at the vastness of the archetypes. You know, what are some of the archetypes that you could be wearing on this planet? I'll just name them really, really quick. Divine child is an archetype. A martyr is an archetype. A temptress is an archetype. Um, a mother is an archetype. A virgin is an archetype. Uh, a goddess or a god is an archetype. Um, a teacher is an archetype. A sage is an archetype. Um, a warrior is an archetype. Prince, princess um, is an archetype. There are many, 
right? So there are essentially many outfits that you could be wearing. What does that mean? So dis- despite the fact, not despite the fact, but should I, shall I say that on top of the fact that your higher self when projecting itself, a portion of itself into this incarnation, graces you essentially, a human, with certain aspects of itself, it also gives you a set of outfits, like I said, to take with you. So you become an amalgamation or a symbiosis of these energies. It could be a very curious exercise for you to do a quick diagnostic on yourself of what the archetypes are that you have. Before we go there, let me explain something though really, really quickly. So an archetype is something that like a set of armor or like a set of clothing, you always have access to, especially that is your primary archetype. It is possible that not all of your archetypes are triggered all at the same time. So your higher self may decide that, okay, let's say out of the five main ones, three archetypes are alive and well and breathing with you day one, like from that first breath that you draw on planet Earth, they're going to be inherent in you. And then there are other archetypes that would be unlocked as you walk down the path of your incarnation. Or if you meet someone, if you do something, so essentially you either have to deserve them or you have to tap into them, unlock them due to certain circumstances or something else that was pre-planned before, again, essentially a trigger event. So not not all of them would be immediately available to you. And the same thing is true for your subordinate secondary archetypes as well. Like not all 10 would be available to you day one, right? It is, again, a song and dance, and that song and dance is completely up to your higher self. I want to stop here for a quick second and see if you guys have any questions or any confusion that has um, come up. Um, the, the main question is, can I have more than 15? The answer is yes, absolutely. Older souls tend to be able to mm, handle more archetypes better than younger souls. Younger souls tend to actually stay within the five main ones and only dabble uh, a tap into the additional 10 sporadically here and there. They would not necessarily be able to wear that many outfits. Now, and that is why, actually, this is this is something that may be a little bit confusing to you. So... Wearing an archetype is a journey. You don't just randomly select an outfit. The thing with archetypes is that it teaches you about who you are by being able to be living within the confines of that blueprint. So say you have selected pirate as an archetype. By going through what that archetype presents for you, by going through the experiences in your life that are created by the vibrations of that archetype being integrated into who you are, you would come across things in life, potentially, temptations around, I don't know, like, let's say stealing, right? Because pirates don't really earn things. They like to take things that belong to others. That is their means of essentially survival or thriving. So you may go through experiences in life where you're put in situations where you're either tempted to take something that does not belong to you, forced to take something that does not belong to you. So opportunities like that would present. 
themselves. Now, if you're the archetype of a pirate, right, very often you would either be tempted by these opportunities or fully on act upon those temptations, right? Now, who you are in that moment in time and what kind of pirate you are in that point in time would really determine the lessons that the archetype holds for you. Um, There are, by the way, adopting a pirate archetype is not created equal. Like it all, um, the end game essentially depends on your higher self. So your higher self may say, hey, I want to fully experience a pirate archetype because I want to experience the freedom of not having to work for things. I want my lower self to go through an experience where they can just take and know that there is no shortage of wealth in the world and they can just have have it whenever they want to, right? So your experience of the pirate archetype might be very different compared to somebody else whose higher self essentially wants them to go through the pirate archetype to reemerge on the other side saying that, hey, you know what? I don't like taking from others because I wouldn't want anybody to take from me, you know? So again, you can use the same outfit, but the outfit can be used for very different purpose. For example, like imagine there is, I don't know, a pink dress and it represents an archetype. Just because it's a pink dress doesn't mean it fully defines where you're going to wear it because you can wear it to a brunch with your girlfriends or you could wear it to a date night or you could wear it to a bachelorette party. I mean, the world's your oyster or on a, you can take it on your trip to Italy. Do you see my point? Like, in other words, you don't need to uh, fully play into the archetype. Like there is some leeway with how it um, comes forward and how it uh, essentially presents itself in your life. And that is why humanity is able to get away with such so few archetypes right is because there is that gray area or should i say it's there there is an ability for you to customize an archetype according to your own path and your learnings and what your higher self essentially wants from you okay why don't we move on to move on to the diagnostics because i think that's quite fascinating so how do you know which five you have well, which 15, you know, there is, if, if you want to extend it uh, by another 10, there is no, you know, no judgment here. Uh, I think it's actually fascinating because I think the more you know about yourself in this incarnation, the better positioned you are to, A, understand the choices that you're making, why you're making them in the first place. B, be able to essentially be the captain of your journey Instead of having the archetypes, your blueprints that you're unaware of, direct your life. Because essentially, you are not in charge. You know, what is in charge of your life are all of the other things that have been put. The different forces are at play, right? So it's not necessarily just you who's in charge. Archetypes are in charge. Your ancestry lines might be in charge. Your karma might be in charge. There are all of these contributing factors, right, that might prevent you from living your best life. And I think that knowledge is power. I truly believe that. And I truly, um, I find it fascinating how often people tend to go in circles and they tend to repeat the same thing over and over and over again. 
And then they're not even themselves sure why that happens, but it could just be that they have a particular archetype. And essentially, it's really, really hard to fight an archetype unless you're fully aware of what it is. All right, so let's do a quick diagnostic. Um, what you want to do is you want to get in a, into a meditative state and you want to first and foremost activate your third eye. To activate your third eye, imagine that there is a purple or a violet flame in the middle of your forehead, kind of like internally inside where the pineal gland is. Imagine that there is a purple flame and that purple flame sits atop a lotus flower. And as it's burning, that lotus flower is starting to open up its petals and starting to shine bright. And all of a sudden, this lotus flower turns from white to violet, being colored by this flame. And so I want you to activate your third eye because we're going to need your third eye for this exercise. Imagine you have two closets. The first closet is a golden closet. And in that closet are the five outfits that your higher self wanted you to bring, your five archetypes, your five blueprints that your higher self wanted you to bring for this incarnation. Open the door of the closet. What you want to do is you want to take, so essentially there are five outfits inside, five main ones. They're going to look like a set of clothing, a piece of clothing for you. You want to take the first set of hangers, you know, the feet, the first item. And um, for a lot of you might not actually be that clear what the item is right off the bat. But don't worry. Imagine yourself trying that outfit on for size. And then as you're trying it on for size, come up to a large floor length mirror in the room that where you're trying that outfit on and stand right in front of the mirror. Open your eyes in front of the mirror. What do you see? Very often, your archetype, the, the archetype that you see, is going to be very obvious to you what it is. You know, it would just look like exactly what it represents. You know, like I said, a pirate. Um, it could be the queen. It could be um, a sage, warrior. You know, there are, there are a lot. We, we will actually look at what the main ones are on planet Earth as well. There are many new archetypes as well that are being created. A lot of them are in the subordinate, like kind of um, newer sides, like um, the, the more subordinate archetypes are not the, the main 120, um, but um, the other closet. So basically, look at what this is. I also encourage you to memorize what your archetypes are and then post this practice you would want to probably write it down on a piece of paper because there's so many things you can do by just remembering, being present to, being aware of and understanding your archetypes. You want to then, once you know what your first archetype is, then you want to do the same thing over with um, essentially all five of the outfits, right? So you want to go one by one by one, look at what archetype it represents. Now, if you see something that you don't like in there, that is fine, right? Not every archetype is made perfect, but every archetype is a lesson. You know, some people might see an energetic vampire 
or just a vampire archetype. Listen, there's a lesson in all of it, right? So don't worry that it's not perfect, quote unquote, because not perfect is essentially just limited perspective because every archetype archetype represents a lesson. Every archetype is representative of dynamic movement towards a particular goal that your higher self is very aware of. Otherwise, it would not give you that outfit. Now, there is also a second closet in here. It's a silver closet. It has 10 outfits. If you have the time, if you're curious, you can try the 10 on for size and you can also do the same central exercise where you're putting on an outfit, coming in front of a mirror and looking at yourself in the mirror and again, recording what you're seeing. Um, okay, so that is the quick diagnostic. That is a quick diagnostic. Um, I just want to see um, if there are any questions from you guys. How come, the question is, how come if I'm not, basically, what do I do if I'm not able to see anything? That is fine. You could also try automated writing. So what you want to do with automated writing, automated writing is essentially a process that is guided by um, angelic beings, more often than not. So from this meditation, right, from this meditative state, uh, you can take out a piece of paper, open your eyes, it's fine. Like you've already gone through this exercise, you've already gone through, you know, the exercise of quieting down your mind and trying to look within. Um, write down, you know, my main five archetypes on the piece of paper and then essentially ask the question, send the question into the universe of what are my main archetypes? And then write down the first five archetypes that come to your mind. Literally just write them on a piece of paper. And then do the same thing for your secondary archetypes. I guarantee you, you're not going to be wrong. Like it's really hard to be wrong in this process. Right? As long as you don't judge what comes through. Because literally that's the only thing that can go wrong. Is your brain, your mind overtaking the whole process and starting to judge it or doubt it you know that is the only thing that can essentially go wrong all right why do you need this in the first place knowing your five archetypes brings awareness i guarantee you what you see on that piece of paper is going to change your life because you may find out why you're acting the way you're acting you may find out why you're attracting the same partner over and over again. You may find out why you have been getting the same type of feedback from your five last bo bosses for the past 10 years about your behavior at work. The answers might lie in the archetypes. Another thing that's also quite curious is an archetype is hardly ever learned in one life. Very often an archetype or the outfit is something that you take with yourself from one incarnation to the next, to the next, to the next. So certain archetypes become very much a part of you and a part of who you are at soul level. There are some souls that have the queen archetype, for instance, very well activated and other souls that have the maid uh, or the nurse archetype really, really activated by the virtue of the kinds of experiences that they chose to have and the kind of outfits slash archetypes they chose to wear how many times and how successfully. 
right? So again, like this is yet another tool of understanding yourself. Understanding yourself could be a full-time job. It is also a fascinating journey. And not enough of you, unfortunately, especially on planet Earth, but not enough of you understand your own behavior. Very often what I'm seeing, and as I'm like scanning the collective, very often you yourself don't understand your own actions, your own feelings, or your own thoughts. You would be like, I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I felt that. This makes no sense. Well, this makes no sense because an archetype may have been running you at the time and you didn't even know it. That's how low the awareness is, right? So again, knowing your archetypes is a path of discernment. And it actually enables you to take an active part in your life as opposed to just being passively dragged by a subset of your archetypes or a set of your archetypes into a direction that you may not even want to go, right? Again, until you find out who you are, you are essentially not in charge and you're essentially not in control. And it is my intention for you to start being in control. So let us explore just a few archetypes now. And archetypes is something that I could probably talk to you about for hours upon hours upon hours. This is a very dense topic. There are a lot of them because beyond the secondary archetypes, there are also tertiary archetypes. Now, they don't tend to be used that often. But again, like it is something that is available to you. And each of these guys holds a lesson. Now, another very fun aspect of archetypes, it could be fun for you to do um like a little game with your friends where you all essentially write down your like everybody writes down their own archetypes and then you share your archetypes because you will see exactly how precise it describes your friend or why they've been acting a certain way and i guarantee you right on an intuitive level because every human is intuitive you would probably be able to get at least a few of the five primary archetypes of your friends down even without any meditation just because you know you you when you know you know you know some people just really have a couple of archetypes just so prevalent that they're stare like they're kind of entering the room before the person does you know for um a jester or a joker is one of those archetypes and i don't mean it in like the batman creepy way joker but like in a, in a more merry like kind of um stand-up comedian type of way, right? Where there are people that just thrive off of making others laugh. And, you know, that that's where they draw their uh, sense of value and their sense of worth, right? And you've probably all seen those. Um, you know, or then there is the, um, the archetype of um, a, essentially people-pleaser archetype, right? And now we're starting to get into like, what are some of the archetypes that are worth noting, right? And and um, I just wanted to, you know, bring your um, increasing, I, I just wanted to increase your scope around like what is available and what is really coming through the collective. Um, I actually really want to encourage the collective to showcase some of the archetypes that I should shed the light on so that it would serve the listeners of this podcast so that they could understand more about themselves. But let's talk about the people pleaser since, since that's the one that came up. People pleaser is something that is alive and well in both genders. Um, this is something that um, actually comes 
generally comes with a territory of not having a very strong core, not a very active yellow chakra. So very often folks with a people pleaser archetype are not going to have a very strong sense of self, but they're going to have a very strong sense of other. So it's kind of like having an inverted mirror. And instead of like that mirror, like pointing to you, it's pointing to everybody else. So the people pleasers tend to be very outwardly focused people. And very often the way that they're, the reason they're outwardly focused is because they are thirsty and they're hungry for validation from the outside world to make them feel better about themselves. So these are not the people who are going to value their own opinion and their own perception above others. Very often people pleasers are the ones that end up in either abusive relationships or just relationships that they're terribly attached to that, you know, once the relationship is gone, they tend to lose their center quite a lot. So this is like an interesting archetype. Um, The question that comes through the collective right now is, so what do I do if I have found an archetype that I don't like? Ooh, dangerous waters, you guys, dangerous waters. If you have found an archetype that you don't like, you have to integrate that archetype. Because it's kind of like saying, I don't like my right arm, or I don't think my hips are cute. I mean, tough luck, you guys are stuck with it, right? Like, there is no way for you to eradicate an archetype. There's no way for you to eradicate an archetype. There is only a way for you to move from the shadow aspect of that archetype to the light aspect of that archetype. And that is not something we've discussed necessarily, but every archetype has polarities essentially within itself there is no one archetype that is inherently good or bad and I even cringe using the words good or bad because this is already a reality and a world with too much separation so it pains me but I do need to explain to you very clearly so I'm going to use very rudimentary terms so let's look at the queen archetype for instance there could be the benevolent queen you know the one that really takes the needs of her people, the wants of her people, and that really carries that responsibility very well. That benevolent queen, the wise one, is a good listener and with a good heart. And then that would be the that would represent the light aspect of this archetype. And then there is, um, you know, the shadow aspect of the archetype of the queen, which is needy, moody, angry. Um, kind of like the Red Queen from, or the Queen of Hearts from Alice in Wonderland, like nasty. There's all kinds of things, like which is which brings you to the shadow aspect of the Queen, which is like the abuse of power and walking on people's heads, or you know, it's my way or the highway, like that type of rigidity and ego and arrogance and um, just the inability to understand that everybody is a human and and kind of like wearing. Uh, the chip on the shoulder in, in more ways than one, right? So like that would be just the shadow aspect. Let's take another one just so you understand that not every archetype or even the archetypes that you essentially perceive as positive may not be. Uh, for instance, let's take a divine child as an archetype. So a divine child in its light form is somebody who is exceptionally curious, somebody who is exceptionally embracing, somebody who is exceptionally understanding, joyful, you know, able to... Um, really, truly connect from a place of innocence. Um, so somebody who's a divine child is able to 
engage with everything in creation. The divine child tends to be in sync with the rest of the universe, with nature. It just tends to be, you know, like a joy and a very joyful being. Um, could be introspective, but again, it's, it's somebody who is also potentially, um, you know, it, it, there could be like a wisdom for, for a divine child. But um, for, uh, around the shadow, right? Like the divine child can be immature. Um, it could be needy. Um, divine child could be um, prone to tantrums, for instance, right? Like any other child archetype. So just the fact that you have an archetype doesn't necessarily mean that you have it fully integrated or that you have the right aspects of it integrated. So if you don't like, going back to your original question, if you don't like the archetype that you're seeing, that probably means that you're either in the shadow state of that archetype or you're denying that archetype. If you're, or that you have it in the first place, or you're judging yourself for even wearing or picking that outfit. So integrating the archetype is very, so first, first things first, you wanna integrate that archetype. Integrating the archetype is a quick practice. So you want to put on that outfit, despite the fact that you don't like it. And you want to imagine that in front of you, there is a golden ocean. And that golden ocean is a cleansing ocean. And that golden ocean is the ocean of essentially the golden flame, which brings everything to the state of zero or to the state of perfection. So there's something within that archetype that doesn't sit well with you. That's why you haven't integrated it yet. So what I urge you to do is as you're wearing that item of clothing, walk into this grand ocean, submerge yourself fully into this golden ocean. And as you're doing that, enable all the things that don't sit well with you about that archetype to just be cleansed and released and taken to, you know, the state of zero, essentially. And as you do that, Imagine this piece of clothing is lighting up with this beautiful gilded golden light and it's starting to become absorbed by your skin. So it's like starting to penetrate your skin, right? So it's kind of like, you know, something like when you apply cream, like hand cream, for instance, right? It's able to really absorb into your skin. So the same thing would happen with an archetype that's integrated. So now that the archetype is in its cleanest form that it could possibly be without shadow, you want to really absorb it and let your skin absorb it and stay here with this feeling because the new archetypes essentially initially start feeling very uncomfortable. Like there, there, there's a level of discomfort that would be associated with it. It's kind of like, you know, when you're breaking in the new shoes that you just got from the store and they like everything freaking hurts and you're like, is it, that's too narrow. Oh my God, it's going to give me blisters. So that's a little bit how you feel within your archetype, especially the archetype that you have been either unaware of, or you don't perceive as that positive or like you don't perceive as a part of yourself, right? It's going to create some discomfort, just like a new set of clothing, just like a new set of like pair of shoes. So you just want to stay with a sense of discomfort and allow yourself to be here for a few a few moments, right? Discomfort is fine because discomfort is essentially progress. And you have me you've come here for progress. You haven't come here 
for stagnation. I um, just wanted to see if the collective had any questions. Okay. Um, there are a couple of questions around integrating the archetype. Uh, what comes through is somebody says that the archetype is stinging them. Like there, there is like a stinging sensation or a poking sensation in their whole body. Um, and then somebody else is saying that it's also, they, they're feeling like that new archetype feels like, you know, um, like a woolen sweater, but like that woolen sweater is not like a very, uh, soft material. So it's like, again, like it just feels all, all kinds of discomfortable, uncomfortable on their skin. Um, okay. What we're going to do with that, what we're going to do with that is to make this more comfortable. Uh, for those of you that don't, they're not able to fully integrate it. Allow this archetype to raise up to the surface of your body again. Allow that clothing, piece of clothing to bubble up to the surface. Now imagine that there is a set of hands, uh, like light hands, right? Um, and they're like being illuminated. And imagine that this set of hands is tapping all over your body and smoothing over all the rough edges on the fabric of this new outfit that you're wearing. So they're smoothing all the wrinkles, all the rough patches, all the parts that are stinging you or causing any discomfort. And as they do so, all the, the outfits are becoming very smooth and they become like feather, feathery and light and nice and like all of the imperfections are gone, right? So now this outfit is perfectly adjusted to your body, to your set of energies. And when that is done, said and done, then you want to start absorbing that outfit. Does it feel better now? Okay, great. Uh, apparently it feels better. So we've accomplished what we set out to do. Do you guys um, want to go into some of the main archetypes? Yes? Okay. I hear a lot of uh, very excited yeses back. So that that's a good thing, right? So let me scan um, some of the things that you're dealing with. And by the way, feel free to call out your archetypes that you want me to, to mention, right? Um so that we could talk about maybe the history of the archetype, why it was created, or some of the challenges around that archetype. So we can start with the feminine archetypes. Um, okay, the feminine archetype of the princess is still very much alive. Um, arguably, it is not going to be here a thousand years down the road, but for now, the princess archetype is very much alive and well, and it is alive and well in the new generations as well as the old. So the princess archetype, essentially for women, is a part of you, for those of you that have it, that just wants to be taken care of. The part of you that doesn't want to work, that part of you that doesn't want to, you know, get your hands dirty or doesn't want to be in the trenches, but the part of you just like, you know, just wants to sit still look pretty and just get things for just because you're practically perfect in every way. So that's the princess archetype. It is also a part of you that takes a lot of things for granted. It is a part of you that, um, you know, actually let, let us go through the light and the, the shadow aspect of the princess archetype. So the shadow aspect of the princess archetype is being exceptionally demanding while taking things for granted. So it is the absolute lack of gratitude. 
So um, if you have a princess archetype and you would like to move towards a lighter aspect of the princess archetype, um, by the way, the way it works with archetypes is if you are being in the shadow side of the archetype, it would attract to you people, circumstances, and events that are not necessarily optimal for you, but they still serve your greater good because your greater good in this particular instance would be transcending that shadow aspect and moving into light. So if you are being, you know, demanding and kind of like sitting still looking pretty, expecting the universe, or very often it's a guy that you would expect to cater to you. So very often the princess needs a prince charming to come and sweep her off her feet and just take care of her. So the princess is in a perpetual search for the guy that's going to take care of her problems. Or she may have found one, but very often with princess archetypes, especially the ones in the shadow form, no matter who you attract, somehow that guy is never able to meet your needs. Let's face it. If you have the princess archetype, whoever's right next to you, you're like, could have done better. This dude, I don't know, not meeting all my needs. Uh, something wrong with him. A <laughs> I would say look within though, because the level of expectations of a princess are not at all proportionate to the level of value that she tends to bring into the world. So her level of demands is at point 1000 really up in the sky. And what she chooses to bring to the table is around like point 20, right? So like it really, she's expecting 50 times more than potentially what she deserves, right? Now that's the princess archetype. The funny part is, if you're the princess archetype, one way or another, you're always going to attract people that are taking care of you. And that is just the law of the land, right? The archetype, again, is a particular is a particular frequency, right? So as soon as you don on that outfit, you start emitting that frequency out there in the world. And so it starts attracting to you people that are perceiving you for for that archetype and treating you as that archetype, right? So for the princess, it's always going to be somebody that takes care of her. And by the way, the princess also, outside of just expecting the man to provide for her, very often would expect her family to also take care of her. Like her mom, sometimes she would treat as a maid. Be like, like mom is going to be like cleaning, cooking, freaking doing the laundry. And the princess is just going to, again, not do much and take mother for granted. So that's just the princess archetype. What is the light side of the princess archetype? The light side of the princess archetype is, you know, are like the aspects of tenderness. So the, the princess archetype is another way of, um, is one of the ways that the maid or the maiden, sorry, the maiden archetype comes through or potentially even the virgin archetype comes through, right? So she is pure, she's vulnerable, She's tender. Um, she understands beauty. So everybody who is displaying a princess archetype is somebody who has an inherent connection to the beauty and the energy of beauty. The princess archetype is a very Venusian archetype, which means it's connected to the planet Venus. So it's all about aesthetics. It's all about, you know, beautiful things, pretty things. So actually somebody with a princess archetype just has the touch for... Uh, grace and beauty and they can make really really beautiful things so they could be amazing very naturally good at decor or fashion 
or styling, you know, all the things that are very artistic, um, potentially luxury. I mean, the princess is always going to be drawn, be drawn to luxury. This is not your peasant archetype, right? So just know that, um, you know, there is a good part. So like anytime you're working with an archetype, try to integrate the better parts and then, you know, see how you can work with a shadow. So for instance, with a princess archetype, one of the ways that you work with a shadow is by bringing gratitude into your life because the shadow princess aspect is always taking things for granted. So you want to make sure that you're set, you have your gratitude journal every day, like clockwork. When you wake up, you write down five things you're grateful for. That is going to help you over time become, you know, start exhibiting the light aspects of the princess archetype. All right, um, let's move on. Another archetype that wants to manifest itself. I'm scanning. Okay. Did not expect us to go there. Did not expect us to go there. Um, the absolute opposite. The archetype is the nun. Not just any nun. The stern nun. Now, by the way, the nun is not always a religious type of construct or a religious type of archetype. The nun is a stern woman essentially how and i'm going to explain how this archetype is manifesting itself in in the physical so um you know parts of it you would recognize some parts are in the in the in the collective shadow so you might subconscious you might not even be aware of what that means so it's a stern woman that is fairly rigid and unflexible and she expects a lot from herself and thus she expects a lot from the world and she also likes to laud herself on having high standards. And she's also very black and white. So this is a very judgy archetype, a very judgmental type. This is black, this is white. How dare you? Don't do X, don't do Y. So these are all the people that are all like, oh my God, nuns love, love, love to teach you how to live your life. They give you like, this is the archetype for all types of unsolicited feedback. Whether you want it or you didn't want it, the nun is here. She's going to give it to you. Somehow the nun has this incredible sense that she's better than everybody else. Just by the virtue of her being more pure, maybe more stern on herself. She's like, you know, she believes that it is her job to set the bar for everybody else in terms of some type of honorable or value-based approach, right? So she's not necessarily like the prettiest or the smartest or the richest, but she's always with like the highest moral values. And she'll throw those moral values straight in your face whether you like it or not. Now, the negative aspect of the nun is, again, rigidity. A lot enough, actually, enough of women show up as nuns in their marriages and as mothers. So instead of having a healthy wife or mother archetype, they would have the nun archetype which is actually a very constricted female archetype. Nun, as an archetype, the nun, does not represent the aspect of flow. She's actually very boxed and contained and constricted female energy. And the reason she is so constricted is because she has created a set of standards for herself that operate like a cage and she doesn't even know it. 
And because she's essentially a caged animal, she needs everybody else to be caged right alongside her. So if you reckon, oh, by, okay. And by the way, always judging. The world is never good enough. Nothing is good enough. Her children are never good enough. Her husband is not good enough. And so they would always point out how she is, you know, the one that works the hardest and always like strives uh, to do all these things for everybody else. But then nobody's grateful and they are always, you know, doing X, Y, and Z that is not up to standards and essentially how she's good and everybody's bad. So that sense of self-validation. Um, and, you know, there's one of the reasons that the nun is being this way is because she inherently believes she can only be good in relationship to somebody else who is always bad. That is why she always would strive to, A, meet her own expectations around what quote-unquote good means. And that's why she would always, in parallel, make sure to tell you when you are falling or failing or the bar that she's set. Because again, that is, brings her the sense of security. Now, nuns are incredibly insecure in their own femininity and in their own power. That is why they've created so much rigidity around their own power, their own force, their own energy, right? So it's a very sad archetype. Um, and essentially everything that I just described is the shadow, the positive aspect of the nun is actually faith. So if you have the nun archetype, the way you transcend that is through faith. Faith and purity. So the good nun, the light side of the nun, is not judging. The good side of the nun does not divide the world into black and white. The good nun accepts everything with love and understanding and deeper wisdom. The good nun is the one that has faith in herself, the people around her. She always believes in the greater good and she always believes in the best in every person that she meets. So she has that light. She carries with herself like this little torch that by definition believes that everything is perfect and everything is happening according to plan. And in her best rendition, she is able to share that with collective humanity, right? So if you found yourself to be the nun, first things first, get yourself out of the cage. There is no reason for you to be this rigid and this caged. Essentially, open the door, open the windows, let yourself fly. It's actually a really, really good cure for you to imagine yourself to be a bird and just be able to fly out the window and fly wherever you want to go, as high or as low, as deep, whatever you want, right? Because... The feminine aspect is not meant to be contained by dogma. It is never meant to be caged. You're not meant to be a caged bird. So just let yourself fly. And you will see that it is a lot easier for you to expect the best in people when you allow yourself to soar. It is a lot easier for you to have faith in the fact that everything is going to work out. As well as in some higher consciousness. If you're not a caged, rigid animal. Moving on, because I don't want to, you know, again, like I said, there are hundreds of archetypes that we could dive into. Um, I would like to do one more feminine one, and then we can move on to masculine ones. One more feminine one. Um, come right up, whatever serves humanity the most. 
Oh, wow. Whew. Look at that. I, you guys did not expect, did not expect us to go here. We're going to be talking about the witch, the witch archetype. The witch archetype is going through a massive rebirth. So the witch archetype is one of these that tends to um, either become very mainstream or like re get reduced back to the occult. And it's, it's the pendulum. It's a constant uh, swinging of the pendulum. It, it goes back and forth and back and forth. Um, right now, the witch archetype is coming back. So you're, you're having all these, you know, um, green witches, magic with the CK at the end, like all, you know, um, all, all the Celtic spells and that whole like rendition, the revival of the witch archetype. But, you know, the fact that we're going through the revival phase means that it is an exceptionally suppressed archetype. So a witch essentially is one of the renditions of the crone archetype right? The wise woman, the healer, the one that is in touch with the energies of the full moon and the moon in general. And the reason I say that she's in touch with the energies of the full moon is because she's come full circle, right? She's no longer the maiden or the mother. She's the crone, which means that she understands all aspects of reality, right? And that's why it can come from a place of non-judgment, now, of course, like every archetype, the witch archetype has its shadow and it has its light. And it also a very rich shadow too, shall I say, because, well, maybe let's unpack it step by step by step. Obviously, you all are very familiar with the shadow aspect of the witch because it is, I mean, uh, what is it the green witch of the west or whatever like all of these like <laughs> I mean these archetypes are everywhere like you all know the nasty witch like you all know the spell casting and the envy you know green with envy you all think of a witch when you think of that you know the stealing children and all kinds of things that you guys are black magic sure let's throw that into the puzzle so the witch is or the should I say that um the shadow aspect of the witch archetype on this planet is the woman that uses her knowledge, her wisdom to hurt others instead of using that wisdom to help others. That essentially is where 100% of her shadow comes from, right? She's also a wounded one, right? So generally speaking, one thing that comes through the collective very often is that the crone archetype slash the witch is misunderstood right? So the woman in the fullness of her power, in the fullness of her wisdom is not necessarily accepted or understood by this very masculine world. So she's ostracized. She's judged, you know, um, it's, it's own it's own you know, on an energetic level is, you know, she would try to come and engage with society but the society rejects her and repels her that's not the energy that society is willing to accept and because of that she is a wounded crone she's a wounded wise woman and a wounded person is not a is not a holistic person it's not a whole person a wounded person is a person whose bodies are cracked essentially or her whose energies are cracked 
And as such, they're not able to embody their highest aspects. So that is the shadow of the witch. The light aspect of the witch is the wisdom. And it is being able to take that wisdom and use it for the greater good. It's being able to take that wisdom and heal humanity. It's being able to take that wisdom and bring up the new generation of younglings in the best way possible, in a way that serves them and serves the planet. That is the wise witch archetype. That is the way that the witch is essentially meant to exist, right? Once we come out of the collective shadow of the feminine, there is more to the witch archetype to be unpacked. Because enough of you... What comes through is 13%. I mean, ironically, right? Ironically, number 13 is uh, very often you guys associated with that with, um, you know, the dark forces and whatnot. But there's 13% of women alive today that have a witch archetype. Very, very, very well integrated. And they, they do carry those energies. It is a very suppressed archetype because... And we don't have to go too far, but we all know what happened with witches. We all know about witch hunts. And we all know that it was not necessarily pleasant to be a witch Um, in the Middle Ages. um, They would burn you at the stake. They would cut your head off and they would drown you and they would do all kinds of things with you. So there's all that collective trauma around the archetype of the witch that is coming through and needs to be healed. So for those of you that are resonating with the fact that there are some aspects of the archetype of the witch that need to be healed, here is what we're going to do right now. I want you to take three deep breaths with me. And as you're taking these breaths, um, by the way, if you're a guy, you may still have a witch archetype. Imagine what I know. I know you guys are surprised. You're like, what the hell? No, there's no way. No way. A, just because you're a guy today doesn't mean that you've always been a guy and that you've never came as a witch. Just saying. B, yeah. I mean, <laughs> a witcher is essentially also uh, an, a similar type archetype, right? And, and um, you know, a magician, whatever, especially if you dabbled in, in dark magic. Though the way you be- become whole is essentially the same, right? So three breaths right we're on breath two right and as you're breathing in uh, for for um women and men actually breathe into your core into like the lower side of your belly and the lower part of your belly so you're breathing in breathing out okay now imagine that you are um at the stake about about to be burned and now imagine that You know, they're like um, lighting a fire essentially underneath your feet and you're starting to, and and essentially you know that this is the end, right? So, um, hey, I know this is not necessarily pleasant for for a lot of you that there might be a lot of trauma. Now, I want you to rewind that, yeah, right? So instead of having the licks of the flame to come up to your ankles and then move up your body, which is what happened, I want you to rewind it, right? Rewind it as if that never happened. Rewind it to a point where you felt safe in that life. But not safe where you had to hide who you are, but safe in expressing who you are. Same thing for drowned. There is enough of you that's been drowned. Imagine you coming up, you know, from the water, 
alive and breathing and well and happy and rewinding that life to a point where you felt like your um, gifts mattered. All of you have that, that one aspect, one example where your gift really mattered. Maybe you healed a child. Maybe you created um, some type of potion or brew or, I don't know, herb blend to help somebody. Um, maybe you um, were um, a doula and you were able to really accept the young souls in the way and like uh, assist with birth in a way that was meant to be. Or you were a healer or you did some, you know, just any think back to any aspect of yourself in um, from this particular archetype where you felt that your talent truly mattered. And now that you're here, like it's a memory, right? I want you to encapsulate that memory and encapsulate that into a sphere of crystalline white like um, glass. And now swallow that sphere. I know it sounds weird, but hey, energy work sometimes is weird. And allow that sphere to drop into the very low part of your belly. Like really low, like the lowest, like around the root chakra area. Like the base of your spine only in the front. And allow that example of the fact that your abilities truly mattered. Your abilities were truly good. To really stay within your body and solidify within your body. That is exceptionally important. Because a lot of the trauma from witch hunts has deposit has been deposited in um, in the lower part of your body, specifically around the collar, not the collar, the tailbone, around the tailbone, in the ovaries, you know, the reproductive organs for women. That's where it went. So a lot of that trauma, suppressed emotion, fear, went there. And that's why enough of you would be suppressing any type of special abilities, including intuition in this life, because you've been so persecuted. Just saying. You're welcome. So you really want that happy memory to take roots and grow roots inside of your body. Right? Um, again, if you're a woman within the ovaries or just like within the lower side of your belly. And you want that to grow roots, literally take away all the pain and release all the pain because now it's a happy memory. You know, you being a witch now is a happy memory. Because now essentially we have rewound, right? Or turned backwards the sands of time. So in fact, you never were burned at the stake. You never were beheaded. You never were drowned. None of that stuff happened. What happened was that one memory where you did something right and you can do it again. All right. Well, thank you for allowing me to work with the witch archetype. I actually really love that. Um, I think that the witch archetype is going through a major revival. I'm really happy that a lot of the phobias around witches, you know, a lot of the like the darkness and the shadow of that archetype is falling away because I think that is the only way that we can reemerge on the other side with women as crones, women as the wise, you know, um, the white, the wise beings that really hold the ancestral wisdom, the natural wisdom, uh, the magical wisdom, the mat, uh, the the intuitional wisdom. 
you know, that is the only way that that could become a part of society. Because it used to be that in tribal cultures, especially, um, it was not a path that was chosen as the path for this planet, but it used to be so that the men that were in charge would always be guided by a crone. Behind, behind closed doors, they would come to the witch, the good witch, and would ask her for guidance around what they should do, how they should better lead. So it was always the masculine guided by the feminine, by the wisdom of the feminine, by the unrestricted feminine. That was how things are meant to be. Now we have masculine guided by more masculine, right? And, and, and well, you all know the results. Again, like archetypes, a very dense topic. We could probably be here for six hours, but let's look at some of the masculine archetypes and we can call it a day. Okay. Uh, which masculine archetypes would like to make themselves known for the collective? Like which ones are going to serve the collective the most? Please come, come forward. Oh, wow. Weird. Okay, listen, you guys, I'm going to go with whatever you want me to go with, right? So you chose to explore the archetype of the executioner. Uh, the archetype of the executioner was born in the Middle Ages. And essentially, the executioner was somebody who had to murder people for living. And that, you know, they were enacting law. And there's a lot of masculine trauma around the archetype of the executioner. And enough men, actually have come into this particular incarnation to transcend the archetype of the executioner. Uh, more than 10% of men actually currently alive today have the archetype of the executioner as one of their 15, which is a lot more than, you know, than I think could be expected given the fact that the executioner is not such a very profound middle, run-of-the-mill, middle-of-the-road type of occupation these days. Now, the problem with executioners was that it was a job that paid fairly. It was not a very time-consuming role, so to say, right? You know, there, you would have days sometimes that no executions happened. But it also did tarn it does tarnish your soul. Like, it, it affects souls at a deeper level, right? Yes, you are just executing an order, right? Yes, it is not something that you, you know, take great pleasure in, although some executioners did, certainly, but more of them didn't than did. But there is a lot of guilt associated with the archetype of the executioner on this planet. A lot of guilt. A lot of men are carrying that guilt. Um, actually, the where, where you would carry that guilt. And if this resonates with you, if you feel like there's, I'm talking and you feel like I'm talking to you, there is a reason, you, you guys. There is a reason why you feel that way. If you feel like you may have been an executioner, listen up. That guilt is going to accumulate in your back, specifically behind your, um, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, Essentially, if you had wings like the angels, that, that, that is that part of your body, like in the back, uh, where like that guilt goes. 
that's the best sorry that's the best I can describe it in the moment so you just have to bear with me so it's like straight in the back on both sides there's like one on the right side and one on on the left side um so it's it's like two um two slits in there where you guys like stuck up all that guilt right and and the guilt essentially is taking somebody's life away for money and it's essentially is one of the ways that you would sell your soul for money like um it is there's no other way to describe it right so there's a lot of guilt there's a lot of pain um but it is also suppressed pain um this is not something that the executioner archetype has really integrated very well um as in you would do that job and you would not allow yourself to process these emotions because it would be too much. The people uh, that ended up processing these emotions ended up quitting that job and not doing that job. Now, the executioner is back in all kinds of different formats, including trolling. Trolling is actually a form of the executioner archetype. Um, not every troll is an executioner archetype, but enough of them are because you have that in inherent need to produce judgment and essentially you know behead crucify hurt inflict pain on the people that you perceive as having being different enough from you or having a different viewpoint or just because you're bitter right but parts of it parts of this is the fact that you haven't healed all the guilt around being that or haven't been that so what you want to do is you want to send massive amounts of light to the middle side of your back and you want that light like imagine it is a rotating sphere of light and it's rotating which means like it's a dynamic energy and that dynamic energy allow it to clear away all of the debris around your spinal area right um, and even sometimes this would even go in your lungs. So allow that light to clear up all the guilt around judging others, around inflicting pain on others, whether they deserve it or not. Right. So allow yourself to heal that. It's really, really important. You just um, also another thing that happens is you're carrying the weight on your back as well it's the and those weights like literally they look like um massive metallic balls um or like some other geometric shape and you you carry that in your back through like all the lifetimes that you've been an executioner so you just want to like release them cut them away like let them fall um, you know, you can have the fire burn them and you can just like send them to another um, like dimension through a portal. Just like get rid of that because that weight does not belong to you. That karma does not belong to you. By the way, the karma of an execution is really, really hard to get um, to transcend on the ancestral level. So for anybody who has executioners in your ancestral lines, which is pretty much most of you, 80% of you, you may still feel that in your own body, the backside of your body. It's like you're being weighed down by the load of this responsibility and guilt, right? Because we all know that not everybody that ended up on the executioner's block was actually guilty. So a lot of enough of your ancestral lines are carrying that karma. Okay. 
the executioner. Let's see what other masculine archetype wants to come through in this moment in time. Speak now, forever hold your peace. The warrior archetype. I mean, that one comes uh, front and center. It's not a very unique archetype. A lot of enough of you have the warrior. Uh, there is the shadow side of the warrior, the light side of the warrior, right? I mean, obviously, it's almost like mundane. It's almost like duh. Like obviously, men are warriors. Like what's new? Um, the light side of the warrior is fighting for what's right. The right side of the warrior, the light side of the warrior, is taking responsibility for. You know, the entirety of, for, for your family first, for yourself, for your own actions, for your country, right, et cetera, et cetera. So like the true warrior archetype is not something, someone that is inherently selfish, but it's somebody who's inherently selfless, right? So the, the true warrior archetype is somebody that is always fighting on the side of the greater good. That's the light side of the warrior. Somebody who is courageous. Somebody is always willing to step up and show up. Somebody is always willing to do the right thing. Somebody that doesn't cower. Somebody that doesn't hide. Somebody that does not shy away from a good fight, right? If it is for the greater good. The shadow aspects of the warrior are all kinds of self-serving battles, are all kinds of ego manipulation tactics, are all kinds of me versus them, are all kinds of fights around territory, territorialism of, you know, having to prove something to someone. You know, that is another aspect of the warrior. It's not always being in the battle, but it's always about protecting your turf at the, and, and the shadow aspect will be at the expense of others, right? Um, 30% of masculine, of oh, men today, masculinity today has a warrior archetype. Um, at the shadow aspect of the warrior, there is also somebody that is going to use force, strength, physical strength to get what they want. So because, because they said so or because they can, right? So it's also the abuse of power and the abuse of strength. Now, strength is something that is given to you as a great gift, as a great talent to build others up instead of tearing them down. So I strongly encourage you to examine your relationship with your own strength and, and how you swing your weight. Like, how do you leverage that strength? Do you leverage that to assert your own power? Or do you leverage your strength to help others? Because the outcome of your life, based on how you're choosing to use a warrior archetype, may be very, very different. And um, the warrior archetype is going through a major, major spring cleaning at the moment. Enough of you have come to transcend the darker aspects of the warrior archetype into uh, into the light, bring it into light. Enough of you want to give up generations upon generations of conditioning and all these power traps. And you want to reemerge on the other side as the defender. Not just the warrior, not just fighting for the sake of fighting, not war for the sake of war, but really, truly defending. Defending the ones you love, defending your ideals, defending the future. Defending the light. And I mean, it's beautiful to watch. 
is beautiful to watch. All right, last but not least, another masculine archetype that wants to be spoken <laughs> for today. Um, let's let's look at um, something that's going to benefit um, the collective the most if we addressed on the masculine side. The archetype is the pauper. There are many renditions of that archetype. The homeless, the peasant. Um, the exile and many renditions of that. It's interesting that this is coming through because it's actually a lot more prevalent than you may think. A lot more prevalent. And I think that part of it is just the state of abundance on this planet leaves much to be desired. Now, especially in the Western world, you are chasing abundance. Or should I say money? <laughs> because not enough of you are chasing abundance. Uh, but enough of you are chasing money. And yet you've never felt so poor. You've never felt this poor. It's like the more you have, the more you want. And you can never get enough. You can never keep up with the Joneses. And so enough of you are wearing up on your sleeve that archetype of a pauper. Or like the poor person. The poor guy archetype. Right? The I don't have enough archetype. And you know how to, um, how that translates on the energetic level? Uh, on the energetic level, it's kind of like your uh, pockets have holes. And even if you have coins, those coins are somehow slipped through the holes in their pockets. Or the same thing like slipping through your fingers. It's kind of like, it's not that you're not able. This particular archetype is very fascinating. It's not like you're not able to make money. But it's you're unable to hold on to money. And that is a big, 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 big problem. It's causing a lot of men, a lot of you, a lot of discomfort. You inherently don't believe that you're good at handling money. You don't believe that you're good with the energy of money. And you're always experiencing lack. So if you're recognizing yourself as this pauper or is this, you know, peasant or somebody that does not have enough experience lack around money. First thing when you, you, you want to do on an energetic level is you want to fix the holes in your pants. Legit. <laughs> I know it sounds very simple, but this is the right answer, you guys. This is what you need to do. Like take a needle and a thread and mend, you know, mend those pockets, right? Right. Make sure that you're now able to accumulate what you make. And by the way, the energy of money is not about accumulating, but it is also not the energy of losing. It's also not the energy of squandering away or like the money slipping through your fingers. Essentially, the best energy around money is an, inter an, inter an, an exchange. It's the come and go, right? It's the give and take, right? Not the try really hard to make and then lose, lose, lose. That's not the right energy of money, right? What I want you to see is that you all of a sudden, now that there are no holes in your pockets, you're starting to accumulate all these golden coins in both pockets, by the way. You need coins in both pockets, not just one, not just the right, but both right and left. Because it would actually represent 
you know, the right side of your body represents the masculine side, also the father's lineage. The left side of your body represents your feminine side and the feminine side of your lineage, like your mom's line. You want both streams of abundance from both lineages to be present in your life. That is the best way for you to experience unrestricted abundance flow is when all of your resources are essentially in play, right? Not just a part of your resources are in play. That being said, you want coins in both of your pockets. Now that the coins are in your pockets, you want to imagine that they multiply. And here is a good proxy for what you should imagine. Imagine that you're taking out a coin from the right side, from the right pocket, and you're giving it to someone. And as you give the coin to somebody, they're grateful to you. And that energy of gratitude multiplies the coins and brings them back to you tenfold. So for every coin that you give, you get ten back. For every one you give, you get ten back. And now imagine that the same thing happens with your left uh, pocket. You give one, you get ten back. All of a sudden, like your pockets become really, really heavy. All of a sudden you can start investing, buying like a little house, putting, you know, it on your bank account, treating your wife, whatever. Imagine like the world's your oyster, right? But imagine and start translating into the universe the energy of multiplication. Okay. Well, for me, it was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for sticking around for this archetype conversation. Like I said, there is probably a lot more that we can do on the archetype side. And we, we, we may in the future, right? Like this is a fun topic for me. So I'm glad that you stuck around. And I hope that you recognized yourself in your archetypes. Um, I will leave you with just a few parting thoughts. So you all hopefully after this episode are going to have a list of 15 or at least five of your main archetypes. I encourage you to use your intuition and to write down for each of the archetypes, especially the main ones that you hold, write down how you imagine the light side of that archetype, the best part of that archetype, and then the shadow aspect of the worst part of that archetype. Very often, if you have that archetype, you would exhibit both, not just one. Your journey in integrating this archetype is the journey from the shadow to the light. The journey from the not so optimal parts of that archetype into the more optimal parts of the archetype. So start living on the light side every day as you're making decisions. Try to, you know, start leaning more and more into the light aspect and start working on transcending the shadow. And it's the baby steps. You know, this is a journey. It's, it's not you know, a five minute journey, unfortunately, right? This is a lifelong lesson and a lifelong journey. And frankly, the faster you can integrate the light sides of this archetype, the faster you can move on to bigger and better things in your archetypes. Otherwise, next time you come here, you're going to be in the same exact archetype because you know what? Your higher self <laughs> uh, can just keep, keep sending you here with the same exact lesson unless you learn it. So I'm just saying there are other lessons for you to learn, right? So Every day, today, in the future, start doing and start exhibiting more of the lighter aspects of that archetype and less of the shadow. But also just be aware that the five of your main archetypes have been running your life. It's not good or bad, it's just, just who you are. And by being informed, you're able to step on the path of true evolution. Thank you for being with me today. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a suggestion for a topic we should explore in the future, please email us at hello at conversationswithmyhigherself.co. If you resonate with our message, please consider leaving us a review or sharing this episode with your friends. The world is going to be better off for it. With much love, Maria and Sergey.